Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello, welcome to another episode of Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Star's crime podcast. I'm Mick O'Toole, the paper's crime correspondent. Joining me now to discuss another week in the turbulent world of Irish crime is our chief reporter, Paul Healy. Hello, Paul. Hello, Mick. So we've had another busy week. Yes, uh, crime never sleeps <laughs> and we have a lot to talk. Do you know, it's absolutely true. We have a lot. We never, I don't think we'll ever have uh, any worries about what we're going to talk about in these crime reviews. I personally quite like the crime reviews and I think our leaders, our listeners do as well. So let's get cracking. Yeah, so which subject would you like to, which controversial subject would you like to discuss, discuss first? There, there, are, there are several issues one I want to talk about, but I personally want to talk about the issue of guard corruption, which we've been reporting on uh, extensively. I did a story a good while ago about a, a Garda who's on, under investigation by the Anti-Corruption Unit for allegedly paying a criminal €300 Euro to attack another a female Garda's house. Now that guard has been suspended. Now that was, that was a, you know, it, it was pretty serious, that story. And there was a, a significant reaction to it when we put it in, ran it in the storm. We had it up on the Mirror Online as well. But earlier this week, I did another story on a separate issue but it is a, a guard a anti-corruption unit investigation. So the anti-corruption unit, you know, as it, the title says, it goes after allegations of corruption within the Garda Shia It was set up in her mid-2021. Uh, Joanna O'Leary, O'Leary is the Garda chief superintendent in charge of it. And, then it's, uh, it, and the oversight is by uh, Garda assistant commissioner. Now, I learned in the last while or so, and we did the story a few days ago, that... We knew that there was a, a, a Garda investigation into allegations that some Garda in the Dublin area, the DMR as it's called, Dublin Metropolitan Region, in that area, they were suspended in late 2021 as part of a, a Garda anti-corruption unit investigation into allegations that they were shaking down delivery drivers in the Dublin area. In other words, they were extorting money from them. So and I, Paul, I remember you did a story that there was a, a Garda station was searched as part of that operation. Yes, I can recall that, and and it's funny how stories exit your brain and, and they come back in. So you, when you heard of this development, uh, I had to remind myself of it. But um, just the, the the central allegation that uh, that they were extorting delivery drivers uh, sums of fifty euro. Am I right? At a time, I mean, it just seems so so petty, and yet an elaborate scheme between a number allegedly a, a number of 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 of, of Gardaí. I mean, it's just extraordinary. It, it's quite, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It is, it is quite staggering. And Gardy, the reason why I'm talking about this, you know, 
Gardy, I know that Gardy and the front line that Paul and I would both speak to are horrified by this case. One of them described it to me as, this is like, sounds like an organised, actually he didn't say sounds like, he said that's an organised crime gang. So there's an awful lot of real, it, it's one of the strongest stories, feedback wise that I've done in a while. But anyway, look, the, the, the update we did was, obviously, as you said, it was in September 2021 that the Garda station was searched. We know that lockers were opened and, peop- and four, four Gardaí were suspended. So everybody sort of forgot about it. But then I learned in the last while that there had been a number of arrests. We know that one guard was arrested in suspicion of burglary because they, they are alleged people are alleged to have gone into a Brazilian person's house, so that and taken things. So that's burglary, and then another person is alleged to have or was arrested on suspicion of and questioned about perverting the course of justice, and that's essentially it was about providing a false alibi. But it's an ongoing investigation, and the Garda Shiakana did tell me it's an ongoing investigation. So I think there will probably be further developments. I won't really go down that road, but I just want to talk about the sense of shock that, you know, sometimes we do stories and, and you think they're they're pretty big and, you know, it, there's no reaction. But the reaction to that story, you know, it has been pretty sensational. And I have to say, I'm really, really shocked by this. And I think most Gardaí that we would speak to are very shocked by this as well, Paul. Yeah, I could, completely stunned by it. Um, I mean, there there is a feeling within the guards at times as well, you know, about investigations into into corruption and how it might the perception of how how it might like look make them all appear but the vast vast majority uh do feel you know look you have to get rid of the bad eggs bad eggs are putting us all down um and it's it's kind of real life line of duty isn't it going after going after bad cops and i mean we're reading more and more stories of it because the establishment of this unit is relatively recent isn't it yeah and what i do want to say i've covered in my 23 years in the star I, I've covered well over a dozen cases like this Gardy being arrested there's one case I, I can't really go into it but there was one really bad case in the last few years <clears throat> which I covered I've done cases of Gardy up to really really up to no good and they've been caught by Gardy and guards would always say listen we, we got him or her we did our job and we got them <clears throat> but I have never once maybe it's maybe it's two dozen you know guards who I've reported on not once have I ever been contacted by a cop or a guard to say I'll leave him alone or leave them alone every single time it's that so-and-so deserves everything he gets so there's never any it's not as if it's you know they're they're circling ranks all I can tell you is every case I've done the guards have got them and other guardy have said he or she deserves everything she gets but this is a very serious this is a long-running investigation and I think there's a good way to go and there will be you know, the, the people were arrested, uh, they weren't charged, they were questioned and then released for the files to the DPP. So there will be a file to the Director of Public Prosecution. And it is not impossible that the, these people involved in this investigation will be charged and face very serious criminal sanction. Are these members suspended currently, Mick? Yes. Yes, uh, we understand. I remember actually you, you, your story had this. There were four guardies suspended. We, there, I think there was one, but then you broke the story about three others being suspended and another guard station being searched. So yes, look, there, there are these people are suspended, and there are other. I mean, that guard I did the story about the alleged three hundred euro payment. That guard is also suspended. So there's, I think there's about seventy guardies suspended. But I just wanted to talk about the, that one case because I don't use this word advisedly. I was contacted by a lot of guards after it, and sure Paul was, and it's, it was like a it was a seismic reaction to it. They were genuinely horrified by the details we had in the star about it. So look, it's it's a, an on running thing. So I just wanted to, we wanted to talk about that, you know, and I also wanted to say that the guards, 
or get after these you know it's the guards who go after these suspects and it's call it you know people in other parts of Ngardi Shikon are, are, are horrified to it anyway we, we might talk next about the, the really sad case of Josh Dunn yes well Josh Dunn lost his life in 2020 uh, in an incident in East Wall he was stabbed to death um and there was an individual that went on trial, uh, George Gonzaga Vento, uh, for his murder, but he was acquitted uh, of murder. Um, uh, other individuals have since been before the courts in relation to the theft of a bike that led to this incident and have been convicted in relation to that. Um, it was an incident that drew headlines uh, over the course of the, of the past uh, two years, the pandemic, um, and, and the family very much have, have been quite uh, media friendly and I, I have a good relationship with Josh's uh, mother Diane um, and she, she you know she's a grieving mother and she, she's trying to remember Josh every day and there's been a memorial cup uh, in, in his honour um, he's from Ballymun and there is a, a wonderful tribute to him up there in Coolty Green um, there's a bench with, with his name on it and flowers and it's very well tended to by the community and by Josh's family Um. And so it's important, it's been important for Diane the whole way through uh, for her to have her son remembered. That's the most important thing. But uh, what it's something, a development that happened this week, that's, it's very sad, but um, it's something Diane wanted to highlight and, and something she initially highlighted on her social media because she has kept people updated because this case has affected so many people. But um, she asked for the clothes that Josh was wearing back um from the guards and now that these other individuals have been been convicted in the courts and the other matter has been dealt with um the guards have no evidential reason for to 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 hold on to this stuff anymore so uh diane received a box uh, containing the clothes the last clothes that josh was wearing uh on the day that he was on the day that he, uh, he was killed um now she told me that she hasn't brought herself to be able to open that yet she just has she 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 says she will, but she just currently can't bring herself to look at those clothes. It's obviously very sad and very tragic for her, but it it's I suppose it highlights you know the impact of crime uh, even even after all this time that it's still having the raw impact. Um, but but for Diane, it's important for her, as she said, to have that one last piece of Josh back in her life. Um, even if, as she says at the moment, she she she's not able to bring herself to open it just to have. The last thing that he, that he had on him back in her possession was very important to her. And that's something we, I mean, most people very rarely think about, you know, a, a murder a murder victim, his his or her final clothes being given back to the family. But that does happen. But it just goes to show you that there are so many layers to a family's grief and, and clothes. That's obviously a very visceral link for any family. Mm-hmm. I'll correct myself. I said that the incident happened in 2020. It actually happened on the 26th of January 2021. Yeah, and I think let's let's give a wee bit of context in this because uh, I think this is important. So th- th- there, there was, it all started, there was a, a theft of a bike belonging to, I think it was another Brazilian delivery driver. Mr. Bento was, and he got involved in it. And there was a confrontation with someone that they believed had stolen the bike, but that wasn't Josh. And it's really important to say this. Essentially, Josh was with his pals. He played, I think he played for, he definitely played for Bohemians under 16. And did he play for St. Kevin's as well? Yeah. So he's a very talented, a very talented footballer. And what I remember at the time, you know, he and his buddies, 
essentially were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And someone, the, the person who was in this, in the, effectively a fight with two Brazilians, said, back me up here. And that's just literally a second changes somebody's life on ends, somebody's life. But but Josh wasn't involved in criminality himself at all. He wasn't. And, and, and it's very worthwhile pointing that out. And what this came out in the most recent trial of of um, of, of uh, Gavin Dooner, who, who got a two-year sentence for stealing uh, the, 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 the bike of the delivery driver, a fact that came out of it. This was very important to Josh's family. Um, the, the Judge Martin Nolan um, was told uh, by, by a barrister in the case that Josh had no connection good, bad, or indifferent with any of the parties that had been in the area for a legitimate business. So he was effectively vindicated in the courts. Um, and that was very important to Josh's family that it was stated that he was just an innocent um, teenager, 16-year-old boy, whose whose life was sadly taken in this incident. But he, he was not uh, involved in the theft of the bike or any criminality whatsoever. Uh, and, and sadly, tragically, he lost his life in this in this terrible incident. And just in relation to Mr. Bento, as you say, he was charged with murder. He was he was found not he was he was found not guilty. He was acquitted. And I think his evidence was not in relation to Josh, but in relation to the the earlier fight. Shall we say he did fear for his life, and that was you know he he acted in a certain way to defend himself. And the jury accept we again we don't know what juries decide, but the jury the jury sided with made that. a certain decision. Yes. The, 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 yeah, well, effectively, the jury did decide with him. Yeah, so tragic case. Yes, and he, he he's no longer living in the jurisdiction now. I believe he's back in Brazil. Yeah, uh, no winners in this at all. Um, we might move on to talk about a, a story I had in, in the star today about a case of a man called Paul Wells. And it's just really, maybe it's indicative of how stories arrive. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this. I was talking to someone about the, the story I had a few days I go about this, the, the guard he arrested over the, the shakedown of the Brazilians and, and I was talking about it and that person was quite, and you know, basically had very strong views about the whole investigation and he, you know, he thought it was, it was horrendous what was happening to the alleged victims. And, I, and it's just one of the things in journalism I said, any other crack? Oh, not really. And then they said, oh, well, there, 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 were, there were a couple of firearms found in Fingless last week. And that just perked up my ears because I of whenever I heard this I thought oh is it the flashy gang we all know about the flashy gang in Finglas so I started making inquiries and I established no it was actually it was in a house that had at the time had been owned by a man called Paul Wells who in 2018 he got life sentence for the February 2016 murder of a man called Kenneth Brown it was a notorious crime he, he they were pals and Wells shot Kenneth Brown in the head in his house in Finglas, in, in Wells's house in Finglas, and then disposed of the body in the most gruesome of ways. He, he dismembered the body with a chainsaw and dumped the body in various parts in the Grand Canal. And the body was found and the guards carried out a major investigation and that led to Paul Wells from Finglas being convicted of murder. Now, they never found the murder weapon. He told Gardy, he admitted killing Mr. O'Brien, but he said it was mass thought. He said there was a fight and that he, he essentially panicked. And he said he broke up the gun used in the killing and he threw it out around Strawberry Beds, which is at the Liffey, River Liffey there in Lucan. So I heard about these and it's eventually it turned out, my story in the last couple of days was workmen were working on Wells' old house on St. Patrick's Day and they were doing work and they're working on a cavity wall and they opened the cavity wall or whatever and they found a machine gun and a revolver, a pistol in the cavity wall. So it's a pretty big story. So 
the guns and the guards are satisfied that the people who are in the house now had nothing to do with this. They had no idea. The, the strong belief in the, the, the working theory is that Wells had hidden the guns there before his arrest and before the incident in 2016. So the, so the pistol or the gun, the two guns, they're going to be forensically examined now. And obviously there is a strong suspicion that one of them may be the murder weapons. But it's just incredible. That was twi- the, the murder was in February 2016. So it was obviously for that because he was arrested quite soon after that. So the guns have been in, in that cavity wall for maybe seven or eight years. And it was just thought it was really interesting the way happenstance happens all the time. Workmen working in a way. How many times have we come across stories where workmen are, are doing renovations and they find a skull? On this occasion they, they you know they found two Soviet era deadly weapons. So they're being examined by the guard of ballistics section in the technical bureau and we'll see what happens there. But I just thought it was really interesting. Just happenstance of the workmen find it and then happenstance of me Find it out about the find. Yeah, an extraordinary story. And I mean, the, the entire story of Paul Wells is in itself a fascinating uh, one, maybe something we'll discuss in greater detail. But I can just recall coming in on the end of that trial. Um, and what was really unusual about that uh, is, is if my recollection is correct, I'm fairly certain it is, uh, he, he was one of the very few people that was on trial for a murder that coming up to the last day of his trial, no one had a picture of him. Because it kind of went under the radar initially, and and then sort of kind of when the facts of the case, the shocking facts of it, the fact that he, the Mr. O'Brien had been dismembered, the chainsaw, etc., started to gain media attention. But Paul Wells had been in custody, so there was no opportunity for anybody to photograph him, and he was up until this case was was not known about. It was a relative nobody, um, and if you sat in the courtroom and you saw him, you would say that he was a relatively normal-looking bloke. Like, you wouldn't have expected that he would have shot and murdered somebody and chopped up their remains with a chainsaw. Um, and I think it has subsequently come out that the, that, that Paul Wells was, uh, to use the phrase, up to his oxters in organised crime, was involved in all sorts of uh, criminality. I, sorry, I actually knew, I remember... The- we were. I I found out about the arrest at the time, and I was told he was. He, I was told he was a Republican, and I think it, he was involved in Republicanism back in the day, wasn't he? I think it was the NLA. Yeah, but I, 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 what I'm saying is, to, to to the average punter, he was under the radar. He was effectively a, a, a Mister Nobody type figure, and and cut that figure uh, in court. You know, just a normal looking bloke. Um, but it was extraordinary to me that no one had a picture of him at, this po- at that point. But I know that his family effectively turned against him because even they felt that 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 that, that he was an evil individual and, and and they wanted nothing to do with him. And I can actually recall that if, I remember a photograph was was handed out uh, to members of the media on that last day, uh, and and that was the first time that we received a photograph of Paul Wells and we were able to show everybody what he looked like. Um, you know, but it, it it was just just the whole thing was an extraordinary case. So yeah, another extraordinary development in an already extraordinary story. I and you're right about the photograph because we, we try and you know source photographs of people charged with serious crimes. And I spent a very very long time trying to get a photograph of that one, and I just I just I just just couldn't find one. But interestingly, the victim Kenneth O'Brien that was one of, that was February 2016, and we knew about the body, and the guards confirmed his identity. But that was one of the first times where the, the guards released a photograph of the victim. Yeah. It's becoming a, a more commonplace um, now, uh, isn't it? The, yeah, yeah, they are starting to do that now. So shall we move on to the subject of Barbie Kardashian? And just to say on this subject that we're going to just talk about the facts of Barbie Kardashian's incarceration in Limerick Women for Prison. And the reason why we covered this story was because the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, has now publicly commented on it after being asked a question about it. 
and the Taoiseach indicated uh, when prompted about uh, this this subject that he would have an issue uh, with a transgender woman who who is convicted of a violent offence and who is who is of a danger to other women being housed in a women's prison. Uh, and as a result of that public commentary, we're now following up on that story. And I felt it was important, whatever your opinion is on this very controversial issue, and, and, and we're not here to, to, to debate that, we felt it was important to highlight, well, what are the exact conditions that Barbie Kardashian is housing? Because it, it is it is a, a an unenviable position for the Irish prison service, certainly, because it it's 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 a controversial for many reasons because Barbie Kardashian is an extremely violent individual, and psychological reports and background done on her shows that she has a violent nature and that she is a danger to women and that she is unrepentant when it comes to her crimes, uh, which is that she you know she she threatened to rape and murder and torture her own mother. And she is unrepentant in that, in, in, in that sense. Um, and, and she's imprisoned in a, in a women's prison. And so this, this debate has started over whether uh, she should be housed in a female prison because she is a danger to women. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that Barbara Kardashian is a danger to women prisoners at Limerick Prison. And the prison service are aware, are aware of that. And they're doing everything they can to protect women from Barbie Kardashian. Yeah, and that that's the aspect of the story that I wanted to highlight because I think it gener- the the asking of that question and the commentary that was made generated a uh, discussion on the internet that was I would say misinformed. Uh and that is I think there was a perception there that Barbie Kardashian was mixing with the general prison population in Limerick prison. And I knew that not to be the case, but I wanted to even further clarify exactly what position and what were the circumstances uh, that Barbara Kardashian uh, is placed in in prison. Now, look, the Irish Prison Service does not comment ever on an individual prisoner on an individual case. So we rely entirely upon our sources uh, to obtain information. But I I, I thankfully was able to obtain quite a bit of information, which I believe to be 100% accurate in relation to Barbara Kardashian's incarceration in Limerick Prison. And I thought it was worth highlighting uh, this for the reasons I've mentioned. So Barbie Kardashian is under a very strict, under a, 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 a certain rule, uh, effectively solitary confinement regime within Limerick Women's Prison. And that means that she is for 21 hours a day, uh, sorry, for, yes, for 21 hours a day, she is in her cell in solitary confinement. She is not allowed mix with any other prisoner. And I am told because of her violent nature and because of the threat that she poses to other prisoners, as far as the prison service are concerned, she will never mix with another prisoner. Um, And that's important to stress that fact before I go further. Um, So in relation to that solitary confinement, as I said, she's 21 hours in that cell. And then for the three hours out of that cell, she is totally... uh, alone, uh, isolated from any other prisoner, and she is escorted uh, by prison staff to and from where she needs to go. So if she is brought into the yard or brought to the gym or brought to any other particular activity that she's doing in the prison, she is accompanied at all times by several members of prison staff. The landing that she is on uh, is, I'm told, it is a small corridor comprising of four inmates. 
at two what, what, com- comprising of a handful of inmates. We don't we don't know the exact number, but it is a very small number of inmates. And I understand that Barbara Kardashian and another inmate are uh, transgender. And then there there are a number of other inmates that are uh, housed on that particular section of the prison because of the type of nature of the crime that they've committed. So, for example, Karen Harrington, who is a convicted child killer, is housed on that landing. And in her case, she's housed there for her own protection because it, 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 she's a child killer. She's not going to be popular among the prison population. And, the, and there is a perceived threat to, to, to her safety where she mixing with the general prison population. Um, so that's important to stress that the prison service are in a very difficult position here when it comes to Barbie Kardashian. She cannot mix with any other prisoner. And basically, look, this is the opinion of my, my sources only, who, who I think are well-versed in this subject, and, and, and I'm only expressing what they have said to me, uh, which is that even if you were to move Barbie Kardashian, uh, she's going to be put in a very it, the exact same strict regime. If you put her in a different prison, if you put her in a male prison, uh, she is going to be in 21-hour day regime, never mixing with any other prisoner. So no matter what happens on this subject, she will always be isolated. She will never be able to mix because of her violent nature. And that's, that's, that's just the facts of the matter. Um, another thing that I found out today, and I'm doing a story hopefully tomorrow for tomorrow's paper, by the time this pod comes out, it'll be out. Um, another massive issue that the Irish Prison Service faces is overcrowding. And I'm told that it, the, the prison bosses really would prefer to have Barbie Kardashian in a totally isolated landing all by herself. That's how the gra- that's the gravity of this situation. That they would nearly rather ha- it's not ideal for them to have her even on the same landing as other female prisoners. As even though none of these prisoners ever, even the, as, as even though none of these prisoners ever mix, um, they, there is an opportunity uh, for these for these prisoners when they are out of their cell to to potentially pass. Uh, or pass other pass other cells, walk past them, and it's not it's not an ideal situation, basically. No, I mean, and, and you know, as as we say, Paul, facts are friendly. So yes, so she she's not on her own by herself, isolated in that sense. That there are other there are women on that land, and and we've spoken about this. There's there are two child killers, and I think there's another woman possibly convicted of another very serious offence. But there are women orderlies who would clean the corridor and stuff. And I know that Paddy O'Gorman, a legendary RTE reporter, has done some interviewing of former women prisoners in Limerick who have spoken about, you know, verbal abuse. Guard, you know, prison nervous protect women on that landing. They absolutely do. But there are, but there have been anecdotal issues about with verbal abuse. Yes, and I and and I was I was told that Barbara Kardashian has made made alleged threats uh, to prison staff, and they have been subjected to that, and that's caused immense stress uh, for prison staff involved. She's a difficult prisoner; that's definitely true. Um, but in terms, they're they're constantly monitoring uh, the, the, those threats and 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 safety concerns. And she is actually there are four locked doors, I'm told, between her and. Uh, the general prison population and it's a totally separate landing as well as i said it's an unenviable position for the prison service but they have told us that they are um they are uh, reassessing their policy on the issue 
uh, of transgender in- inmates, for example, and 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 how they handle the more violent uh, inmates as well separately uh, that they have in solitary confinement. And in the case of Limerick Prison, we know that there is a new uh, women's facility that is set to be opened. That's going to be a game changer for the prison service, uh, and it, it's going to give them a lot more space to deal with. And I think at least in the interim, Barbara Kardashian is going to be housed in some way in that facility. But I'm also told that they are looking at the UK model and they are considering several different options, including the possibility of having transgender inmates, uh, for example, that that identify as female in a male facility. Now, I'm not sure how that's going to go down. I, I don't have an opinion on that. I'm not going to give an opinion on that, but that is an option that they are examining. So it's a hugely... A controversial issue, and it is one that they are still uh, that they are actively, closely examining, and, and and they're going to make a decision on in the coming months. I, I think the 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 Scottish, what's the word example? The Scottish case has probably frightened powers to be in Ireland because that was massive. It was Isla Gray, Isla Gray, I think, a rapist who identifies as a woman was put in a women's prison, and there was a massive outcry on that, and then they were subsequently moved. So um, I would say that you're right. They're, they're probably examine putting violent transgender women in male prisons or the solution is, I know that we've spoken about Peter Tatchell has said one solution is to have a transgender wing. I don't know if Ireland has the capacity for that, but as you say, they're, they're building a new uh, area in Limerick prison, women's prison. So look, it's a massive headache for the prison authorities and I, I don't envy them. Yeah, and I mean, everyone and their mother now has, has expressed an opinion on this. I spoke to local TD Willie O'D today, who told me, in his opinion, uh, that a prisoner like Barbie Kardashian should just be put into a male facility. So that's his opinion, uh, the opinion of the local politician TD down there. Um, it, no doubt it's, it is going to continue to be debated. But at the moment, the prison service, I think they would say that they that they're in the, she's in the best position they can put her in at the moment there is nothing else they, they can do in terms of her confinement because under the law uh, she, she is confined in the only place that they can uh, confine her but but that is something that that is being politically debated at this very moment but but even just to explain this the the prison service is ordered to commit a prisoner to a certain court and if someone has a gender recognition certificate and they're legally a woman the prison service have to bring them there they can't it's not as if they're gatekeeping and go oh you can go in there and they're, that's they're told that's what they're told to do yes but on that point I, I, i'm not saying it, it 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 means anything but um even if she's moved to a male facility tomorrow her conditions will not change it has been accepted that she is so violent uh that she will never be able to mix with any prisoner male or female so no matter where uh, this prisoner is housed uh, for the, it is likely for the rest of her sentence, which is four and a half years. I think she served nearly a year of that. Um, she will be effectively isolated uh, from any prison population. So she is a unique case in her own right. It, I don't think it is fair to necessarily debate this as, a, as an issue when it comes to transgender prisoners necessarily because Barbara Kardashian is an, an exceptional example in terms of her violent nature and and so it's what's primarily i think a concern for the prison service is is the threat to everyone's safety uh including barbara kardashian's safety because i think as my source was telling me one of my sources was telling me uh there are other prisoners who uh would be a danger to barbara kardashian uh as well so there is every aspect to consider uh, when it comes to housing a difficult prisoner uh, a seriously 
violent prisoner like Barbie Kardashian. I just I just want to clarify one thing about what Peter Tatchell said. I'm, I'm reading here. He he said that there, um, if, there, if there any woman, including trans women, with a history of sexual or violent offences against women, should not be placed in the general population of women's prisons unless there is strong evidence that they have reformed. Even then, they should be subject to monitoring and review. Um, and he said, if there is a trans woman and is an ongoing threat to other women, they should be placed in a segregation unit within a women's prison and not permitted to mix with a general women, women, women's prison population without supervision. Well, I mean, that's already the case in this case. And I think that's why, that's why it's important to highlight this, because I think a, a certain perception was put out there yeah, on social on social media that she was in the general prison population and he, and she isn't no but there well there are women in that landing we know that there are two trans women and then there are two or three other women in that so it's slightly different than like yes but they're all in the same landing uh, i yes i accept that but they but they, they they do not mix they put them out each individually uh, uh you know but Look, as I said, it's it's an unenviable position and, and one that is already I, publicly, they, they have stated this, uh, the government and the IPS, that it's being it's a policy that is being reevaluated at this very moment. As again, just to stress, Paul and I were totally sticking to the law enforcement and criminal justice aspect of this. Anybody else can have else, other arguments they want? And there are plenty of arguments in this yes now something we're going to just speak about briefly uh because it will develop on friday uh and i'm sure we, we might speak about it in greater detail on monday depending upon what happens but that is the impending appeal uh results for murderer graham dwyer uh and graham dwyer was convicted of the 2015 murder of elaine o'hara it's an infamous case no doubt everybody has to, to a certain degree uh a, a a good memory of this case it was it hit the headlines the front pages nearly every single day that it was on and mick sat uh, in every day of that trial um but graham dwyer is set to get the results of uh, the appeal of his conviction uh, tomorrow friday is that right now yeah and, and the main thrust there were several points that that they made including one that there was no cause of death found scientific cause of death found presented to the jury so the the appeal, one of the arguments of the appeal is, well, you know, how can how can how can it be proved she was murdered? And they did talk about we know that Miss O'Hara had mental health issues, and they raised the issue of suicide. But one of the main points of appeal is that his uh, uh, Graham Dwyer's mobile phone data was used as part of the evidence. We all know up until recently, all mobile phone data, messages, and call logs for every phone handset and account were kept for two years and as part of the guard investigation Garda used that they used his work phone to match and to sort of cross-reference evidence from two other phones the master and the slave phone that were found in Vartu Reservoir in, in County Wicklow uh, around the same time that uh, Elian's body was found in September 2013 and that was a crucial point so they want that they say that that evidence shouldn't have been used and shouldn't be put to the jury it's now up to the judges to decide, the three judges of the Court of Criminal Appeal, they can do three things. They can uphold the verdict of murder, in which case Dwyer goes back to jail. They can quash the, the murder and order a retri- murder verdict and order a retrial. Or they can quash the verdict and say he has to walk. So we'll know soon enough. Yeah, I, we will. Uh, and, and you can never really predict... Uh 
how these decisions go. And I mean, these judges, these eminent judges are, are considering every aspect of the law. Um, just briefly, we're not, we're not really going to discuss it in this pod, but there was a, a, a eyebrows raised um, at, at a decision made in the Supreme Court in relation to Patrick Quirk uh, and the investigation into him. And it was found uh, that, that the, the seizure of um, certain devices um, by the Gardaí was actually illegal. And we've yet to see what the repercussions of that are in relation to his conviction. Uh, we will find out more about that next week. So, you know, you just don't know which way it's going to go. Uh, it's up to the judges. We keep saying that, but uh, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we, we don't know what way it's going to go. And just say the Court of Appeal rules, because there has been a European ruling that accessing, blanket access in everybody's phone data like Dwyer's went against European law. But there, there is a provision without overcomplicating things too too much. The Supreme Court has ruled that, you know, there is a thing, an absence of malafides. Guardi can act illegally, but at the same time think they were think they were acting legally. So they might just, you know, it, and it's like even with the... The, the Jerry Hodge thing about the just got to mention the NSU yeah. evidence up north that the rule judges ruled that that was illegal, but there was no, but they let it in. Yeah, I mean, even it's, though it's, they it's, acted illegally. It's just Tara Burns, I think, uh, said something to the effect of that the guardy acted in, in good faith, uh, you know, and that they did not realize that they were in breach of the law uh, in relation to that. So you know the 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 ruling about the accessing data was in twenty eighteen. The 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 Dwyer stuff was accessed in twenty thirteen, and the the murder trial was in twenty fifteen. So maybe the judges will go look. You know, if it went against European law, but they did know at the time, and they did act in good faith. So we'll see. But it's up to the judges. Can't wait to see what happens. Oh, there. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Are you going to be there? I've got COVID. I can't go. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right. Well, listen. We think we'll wrap it up there. I think we've we've uh, discussed uh, quite a few topics, but as we as we keep saying, that's why we're doing this uh, week in crime because there's so much that we cover that we nearly forget how much we're covering. So uh, we'll be back next week uh, where we'll be covering uh, a couple more interesting topics. Uh, hopefully, uh, including uh, it's the 30th anniversary of the disappearance of Annie McCarrick, and we'll be discussing that in some detail next week as well. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>